Did you ever think with Medicare it was just as simple as signing up and bam, you're done? Well, that is not the case. And Danielle Roberts shares with us everything that we need to know. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, ¿qué tal? How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host, and today we are going to discuss a money topic that we need to prepare for in the future. And the topic, Medicare. Yes, I said it and you're probably thinking, I don't need to think about that right now. But the fact is that we do. I'm definitely not a Medicare expert, but I have brought someone who is. In today's episode, you're going to learn what she gained from selling earthworms as a kid. So we're going to get to know her as well as the common misconceptions about Medicare and her four best tips to help you prepare when it comes to signing up for Medicare down the road. Let me share with you a little bit about Danielle Roberts. She is a Medicare insurance expert and co-founder of Boomer Benefits, an award-winning licensed insurance agency that helps baby boomers with their Medicare supplement decisions in 47 states. She is a member of the Forbes Finance Council, where she writes about Medicare and finance topics and has appeared on top personal finance podcasts like Stacking Benjamins and The Money Millhouse, and now Her Money Matters, uh, to help Americans become aware of the staggering cost of healthcare in retirement. She is on a mission to make younger generations aware of expenses that we will all face in our golden years and help them learn what they can do now to prepare for it. Lisa, you ready? Let's go meet Danielle. Bienvenida, Danielle, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am as well, because while well, you work in the area of Medicare, which is such, it's an important topic that we, we in terms of women in our age, uh, we don't really think about it till later on in our years, like when maybe we're on our 60s, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so That's I, so true. <laughs> so I wanted to dive into that. But first, I we wanted to get to know you and your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you hear? What did you experience? What did you witness? Sure. So my parents were awfully young when they were married. And I have a dad who's a very entrepreneurial person. So my earliest memory of money was after it would rain, we would go out in the backyard with flashlights and gather earthworms and we would put them in a cooler in front of the house. And as a four-year-old, the fishermen who would drive by on their way to the lake would stop on the honor system and pay 50 cents for every little tub of earthworms that I had gathered. And I specifically remember my dad bringing me a little plastic bowl at the end of the summer and showing me this is the money that you earned and sat me down and had a conversation with me about when you do something like you did, which is working, 
you have these people who appreciate you and pay money for the things that you put together. And so I got to spend it on whatever I wanted, which was to go to McDonald's. <laughs> I think it probably bought quite a few uh, visits to McDonald's. But so I had a pretty good lesson on money early on. And then later, my parents divorced and my mom was a single mom. And I can remember my brother asking her about, well, let's just write a check for this. And she sat us down and showed us how when you earn money that goes into a bank account, and then you can only write a check for however much money you have in your bank account. And so these were some lessons that my parents installed in me pretty early on, just understanding the ebb and flow of money, which I feel really lucky about because then I was able to, you know, work toward many things. As a child, we did all sorts of little entrepreneurial things, washing cars in the neighborhood so that we could save up for a trampoline, which horrified my mother. She <laughs> thought she could have us um, pay for it ourselves and then she wouldn't have to worry about us having it. And we went right out one summer and earned it. So <laughs> these are all great little lessons when you're young that kind of teach you how money works. And then later when you get to college and you start your first job, you have a good grounded place to come from in knowing you know, what kind of money you have to spend what it's like to have money in your checking account and to not have money in your checking account. And this is a great place to start when you start to incur debt. So getting a credit card and learning mm -hmm. how to manage that and paying it off in full. These are all lessons that I was really lucky enough to have my parents show me. Well, your parents did good. And I love how your dad was so resourceful, earthworms. <laughs> so there was like <laughs> yeah. no uh, investment on your part. You, <laughs> The resource was the earth literally getting the worms in and <laughs> literally getting exactly. out there and selling them. I love it, love it, love it. Now, so what, so we work in uh, helping people maneuver Medicare. So what led you to that? Because you had a lot of great lessons around money and obviously it's an entrepreneurial, it's your business, right? Yes, that's right. So, so I worked um, for a long time. I worked in the staffing field, working for someone else in a operations position. And I just always had this desire to start a business and I couldn't figure out what to do, but I liked money and I liked finance. And so I stumbled across an opportunity in insurance, which is a financial services field. And I learned that I could start this business from home. I could get an insurance license. I could help people find health insurance. And when you're assisting people with health insurance, there's a whole lot of financial aspects to that that you have to understand and counsel people on. And one of the things that happened when I was originally selling health insurance policies to businesses and self-employed people is they kept coming to me and saying, hey, you've been so helpful with this. And uh, do you know anything about Medicare? Because my mom is turning 65 and I have no idea what's going on here. Like we're getting all this mail and it doesn't make any sense. And my insurance is completely easy compared to this national health insurance program. And um, we got asked that quite a few times before I finally said, well, maybe I should go look into this. And then, of course, my brother and I, we own the business together. We went ahead and got a license to work with Medicare insurance products. And I really just fell in love with it because there's so much of an educational aspect to it. And because people who kind of like you mentioned earlier, people who are in their working lives, you know, you're in the moment, you've got your family, you've got to put food on the table, you're saving for college, you've got to pay off your mortgage, there's retirement someday and all these things are happening in your early life. And so Medicare sort of seems like this really far away thing that you don't have to worry about right now. And so people don't learn about it. They don't know what the expectation will be someday when they turn 65. They have absolutely no idea how expensive it is to cover yourself and to have both Medicare and supplemental coverage so that you're 
not facing medical bankruptcy if you have a serious illness when you're on Medicare. And I just love that aspect of being able to sit down with clients and show them, here's what Medicare costs. Here's what your options are to cover those gaps. Do you have enough money? Have we accounted for all of this in retirement? Do you need to work a few more years so that you can save to have enough money for healthcare and retirement? And so I love to visit with listeners on shows like yours who might be in a somewhat younger demographic and we can sort of enlighten them about what these future expenses might be someday. Right. And I love that. And something that you said that it costs money, because I think a lot of people, mm. myself included at the very beginning, when you think Medicare and, and also, you know, Medi- Medicaid, and you know, obviously that's different. Mm. You think free. Yeah, because it's, you sure do. Uh, so you think, well, I turned 65, I'm covered by Medicare, I'm all good. But you mentioned it costs money. So that's probably one of the misconceptions a lot of people have. Can you talk a little bit about what other misconceptions people have on Medicare? Sure. So I think the main reason that we tend to think that it's free is we know that it's sort of a national health insurance program for people age 65 and older. And when we think about national health insurance in, say, Canada or in the UK, that is not something that they pay for. It's paid for via taxes, but they're not giving a monthly premium out. And so we tend to get up to Medicare age and we don't realize that it isn't free and you're going to have to pay those premiums. The other thing that a lot of people don't know about Medicare is that it doesn't cover 100% of your expenses in retirement for healthcare. So when you enroll in Medicare, you have premiums that you pay for the coverage itself, the outpatient and drug coverage. But then when you're using your benefits, just like you have on your current insurance plan through an employer or through the Affordable Care Act, there are deductibles to pay when you go into the hospital or when you have an outpatient service. There are co-pays that you pay when you go to see a doctor or when you have a hospital stay that's a long stay you can incur some daily hospital copays. And then lastly, there's coinsurance, which basically means that Medicare on average covers about 80% of your expenses, but you are responsible for covering the other 20%. And that's not a big deal when we're talking about a doctor's appointment, but if you had a knee replacement or six to eight weeks of chemotherapy, these are all the things that you know we worry about when we're buying health coverage and we want to make sure that we're covered, that could be just absolutely devastating for people to be unaware of. So then in addition to all these premiums that you're paying for Medicare, you really need to enroll in some sort of supplemental insurance to help cover those gaps. And that's something that a lot of younger people just have no idea about when it comes to Medicare. All right. So I'm going to ask you questions as I don't know anything about Medicare, which I'm not an expert, obviously. But so (laughs) if Someone were to ask you, okay, so it's going to cost for Medicare and uh, it's not free. What if I just stay with my insurance? Like like, maybe like they have a private insurance. I mean, obviously um, Mm -hmm. if they're at work, once they stop working, they won't have it. So what, you know, what are the benefits of that? So if you have insurance through an employer, you can keep that coverage and it'll coordinate with Medicare. And that actually happens a lot these days because- you know, 65 is the new 45 and people are working well into their 70s these days because the types of jobs that we do allow us to have a longer work cycle just being in the digital world. So that part is really good. But then as you move forward into your retirement, you're going to have, I mentioned earlier, the Part B premiums and everything that you pay. You're going to have also 
co-pays for the things that I mentioned on the doctor's visits and when you go in and you use lab work and all those kind of things. So I think it's really important for people to realize that you've got to have that knowledge heading in about what sort of money you need to be saving. And also the other thing is that when you have social security, you're going to have an average paycheck of around $1,400. And this is only if you've really put in some big money as you've gone in. And as you go along, then you find out that, hey, 10 or 15% of what I'm going to spend on my Medicare is going to come right off of that monthly check that I get. And then that ends up being so expensive. Right, right. So in your role, as I mentioned before, you help people maneuver Medicare. So let's say I come to you and I say, I need help, uh, whether for me or maybe for a family member. So what is your process? Do you, I'm sure you probably assess the needs or like, take us a little bit of what goes on with someone that comes to you for help. Okay. So um, you mentioned earlier about the individual health insurance plans and kind of what the benefits are. When you have individual health insurance, like let's say you purchased your own plan through the Affordable Care Act, you could keep that right up until the time that you're 65. But then when you turn 65, you've got to make the transition over to Medicare. And you're going to have benefits there that you will usually find are going to be actually better than what you had on your Affordable Care Act plan. They tend to cover more and the deductibles aren't as high. So those are some of the conversations I have with my clients when I'm sitting down with them and asking them about, you know, what their needs are. Sometimes you're coming into this insurance and you have health issues. And so we might want to look at one type of coverage. I also like to look at the client's tolerance of risk because somebody like, for instance, my dad, who's super healthy, he rarely goes to the doctor and so didn't want to purchase any coverage. You know, he didn't even want to sign up for Medicare Part B. So I had to sit him down and, and say, dad, your dad, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to sit him down and say, hey, dad, listen, it's great that you like he's got VA insurance and that's lovely, but there's a lot of wait times with all of that. And I told him, you know, you're not going to be invincible forever. So since you don't like to go to the doctor a lot, let's look at some options for you that are going to be a low. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Cost coverage where you're not going to be spending a whole lot, but on the back end, you're going to have some co-pays as you go along as you use the coverage. And for him, that really felt so comfortable. Whereas If I have someone come in and they have a serious chronic illness and maybe they visit a specialist two or three times a month, I have to tell them, listen, if we put you on this type of coverage where you have a lot of copays on the back end, you might feel like you're being nickel and dime to death. Whereas if I put you on this other coverage that's going to cover all of that, you're going to pay a little more up front, but that's going to give you peace of mind. You know, which one feels more comfortable for you, for your needs and your budget? And those are the kind of conversations that I have with them. Love it. And then with you helping people and just maneuver Medicare, you're also, because when you, if you were to go and just sign up for Medicare online, it's a government website and government websites don't tend to be the most easily read text. (laughs) So I, I feel like with your role, you make that easier versus me going online and just kind of my eyes mm-hmm. just going to the back of my head trying to make sense of everything. <laughs> You're the one that says this is what it means, right? Yeah. And I think that's very, very helpful. One thing that you mentioned is that to start saving money early on. 
were you mentioning for these costs for the future in terms of what it's going to cost for Medicare or what were you referring to? Um, okay, I didn't follow your question. So there were, you had mentioned earlier that people don't anticipate the cost and that they need to be mm-hmm. saving. I see. Yes. Uh, so I was just curious. I wanted to dive a little deeper into that as to what you meant um, okay. with that. Yeah. So when you get to Medicare age right now in 2019, the standard premium that you pay for Part B is $135.50 a month. And if you compare this against what some people are paying for, you know, Affordable Care Act, it can be, you know, a great savings to you. You might be coming from a plan that's costing you six or $800 a month and has a high deductible and you come onto Medicare and you're going to spend $135 and you've got a very low deductible. However, a lot of people come off of either work insurance or they have an Affordable Care Act plan where they're getting a subsidy from the federal government. And so for those people, you get to Medicare and you're like, wow, this is actually more expensive than I thought. So some of the things that I try to tell people is there was a recent study that came out on fidelity and it was saying that an average couple is going to need approximately $280,000 during retirement just for healthcare costs. And so when you're looking at your retirement picture someday, you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I earn this amount of money and I'm going to live frugally and I'm going to watch my budget and I need X dollars to retire. And they completely never even think about the health insurance piece because that's not something that we think about a lot in our everyday life. We worry about the rent that we have to pay. We've got to have groceries when we put food on the table. We have bills for things like cable and utilities. And a lot of times people are really focused on that about retirement and they're not exactly thinking about the healthcare piece. And the other portion that you have to be concerned about is we all assume that someday when we get to that age, we're going to be totally healthy and maybe we think we're going to be able to continue to working longer than 65 and you just never know with health what's going to happen. You might have a serious or chronic illness that forces you to retire early when you weren't anticipating that. So you want to look at your timeline, your horizon for retirement, but you also want to have some sort of nest egg that you're putting away for the medical. And um, one vehicle that I really like for that, if your listeners have an opportunity, is sometimes with some of the Affordable Care Act plans and even the employer plans, You can sign up for a high deductible health plan and it allows you to open a health savings account. This is a great bucket of money that you can put away to be your nest egg in retirement someday because you can donate money specifically into that account. You write it off on your taxes as you're putting it away. But what I like about it is you can only use it for medical expenses. So if you contribute into that year after year, that money is in there, is compounding, it's growing interest for you. And sometimes we see people turn 65 and they've got, you know, 30 or $40,000 set aside in that health savings account because they've just been contributing into it for 20 years. And now this is a bucket of money that you can't use for, say, rent or food, or you can't use it to go out to the movies because <laughs> you're going to pay some pretty hefty tax penalties if you use it for something not medical related. So you enter retirement with this bucket of money that you can use specifically for things like, premiums for your Medicare or co-pays when you go to the doctor. And that's a great way that people could maybe specifically and very intentionally start saving for the cost of healthcare and retirement. I love that tip. That is fantastic. So my next question, well, one of the questions I was going to ask you completely answered it is about how much you pay in medical costs during retirement, which is astounding. That's $280,000. Just staggering. Yeah, it is. So for us as women, 
what can we do now? One thing is you answered is start saving. And one way to do it is with your HS, HSA. And what other things can we do to prepare for those costs? Is there um, anything else that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think so. One thing I tell a lot of the ladies that I'm working with here at this agency as they're turning 65 is you may need more money in retirement than your husband does because women live longer statistically. And so you've got to have some money that's set aside that's just for you. When you're in your younger years, I do find that a lot of times we tend to, as women, we may be tempted to not put that money away and put ourselves first. It's so easy to have passing fancies that we spend our money on. And so you have to take the mindset of, hey, listen, I'm a woman. I'm in pretty good health right now. I might live to be 80 or 85 years old. And so I need to pay me first every month. I need to be putting money into some sort of savings account or fund that I know I'm not going to touch. And this money is specifically for the fact that someday I might be 70 and I might have to go in the hospital and on Medicare, I'll have a $1,300 deductible. I need to have at least that amount of money put away times a couple of years so that if I run into a serious illness, I've got that money set aside. So if you can put up some sort of account that is like a sinking fund where you think of it as just health money and then you never actually touch that, that's great. Another thing is super important is, and I'm sure you have told your listeners this before, but just your emergency fund, because we see so often people get caught off guard when they, you know, they sprain their ankle and now they have a $4,000 deductible and everything was going great with their finances until this accident happened that they were totally unprepared for. Mm -hmm. So you want to have that emergency fund there with at least $1,000 set aside, preferably more, so that when those little things happen, you aren't tempted to say, raid your HSA account for money that you really want to save for retirement or perhaps not save money toward retirement that month because, oops, this thing happened and it's going to eat up all the money that I would normally be donating into a savings account that would be compounding for me for years and years. So emergency funds, sinking funds, those are some great tips to sort of focus on putting that money away now. Love it. Oh my goodness, this has been fantastic and very, very informative. Are there any last parting thoughts that you would like to share or last piece of advice that you would like for that woman listening right at this very moment to take away, especially when it comes to Medicare in the future? Sure. So make sure that you're always planning for the unexpected. Don't assume that when you turn 65, you're still going to be in the same health that you're in today. Ask yourself, what would I do if? So what happens if I'm 60 or 65 or 70 and I get sick or I'm not able to care for myself or I need assistance with my daily living habits. It's so easy to get caught up in the moment of today and not be thinking about someday. So take some time, sit down with a notebook and walk yourself through the exercise of what if. What would I do in this situation? What would I do in this situation with my health? And then plan to take the path of least resistance that you're going to be most careful to do right now. So if that means that your budget is tight and you've only got $20 that you can put away every month right now, that's great. Start somewhere and just ask yourself the what ifs and how much money will you feel comfortable is going to give you peace of mind to set that aside so that you know you'll have X dollars someday for this unexpected event if that were to happen for you. 
And that's such a great question to ask that I think a lot of us don't ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because, you never want to think about that, right? You don't right. want to think about being unable to care for yourself. And I think part of it is that we know we're getting older, right? But we don't want to like accept it. So we stop there. So because we want to deny, let's say the gray hairs that are coming in or wrinkles <laughs> or we're so trying true. to fight and all that. But I think it's so key to ask that question. That's something that I need to start asking. What would I, I mean, I think about those things, but I don't ask them in that way. Like, what would I do if I just think, oh my goodness, what if this happens? And what if that, you know, yeah. but you, I think it's a great question to ask because you're already starting that planning. Even if you write it down, like, what would I do if I got yeah. sick in this way? And that way, if you even you write it down, that's, I think, a great thing to just have for your family members. I think so too. And one of the things I've also noticed is that a lot of times financial planners, they are a little nervous to talk to people about their health. So sometimes they might skip that question and they're walking you through all the things you need to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And they might gloss over or kind of dodge that question because it's a little uncomfortable to ask someone about their health. So you've got to take action yourself and write it down. Take some a few minutes. If your financial planner can help you with it, great. If you don't feel comfortable talking to that person about it, do it on your own and ask yourself those what if questions and then come up with the answer of what is the dollar amount that you want to target so that if that were to happen to you, there wouldn't be a panic or you wouldn't have to be you know, selling something that's beloved to you in order to meet those expenses. Love it. Well, this has been fantastic, Danielle. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom that you shared with us and good on you for creating this business and listening to those questions of like, what about Medicare? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love, I absolutely love what you're doing. Uh, keep doing what you're doing because it is necessary. So again, thank you so much for being with us today. You bet. Thanks for having me. So what did you think? I hope that you learned something. I know I sure did. I know I knew some of the basics about Medicare, but I feel more prepared now. You can connect more with Danielle and her company over on Facebook. If you look up Boomer Benefits, uh, they have a business page with lots of information. So definitely check it out. So I'm wondering what you took away from this chat with Danielle. For me overall, it was the reminder that no matter what benefits we may have available to us, that we still have to do some preparation on our end. Essentially, you need different eggs in your basket. We can't just rely on that we have Medicare. We have to basically diversify, right? We have to do other things to make sure when it comes time to use Medicare that we have the money that's necessary, we have the necessary coverage, all of those good things. I'm also curious, have you created your free account in the Her Money Matters Academy yet? If not, you are missing out as there's so many free resources you can tap into. It is simple and all you have to do to create your free account is to grab your copy of my free daily money ritual and that will get you that account and you can do that over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Danielle for joining us, for sharing her story, and for teaching us all things Medicare. 
Don't forget, if you loved this episode, I would encourage you to share it with a friend, a stranger, a coworker, because they might need it, that information right now. And it's, even if they don't, it's good to have this information at this moment. Also, remember that starting in June, the Her Money Matters podcast is merging with the Her Dinero Matters podcast. So it, we will be known as the Her Dinero podcast. We are going back to weekly episodes. And of course, the topic will be the same. We're going to talk about all things money and it'll be a little more Latina centric, but Latino or not, you will still gain that money knowledge. So I appreciate you being here. Y nos hablaremos in June. We'll talk again in June.